Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 3rd of September 2017. I hope you're all surviving as best as possible in this micromanaged world of ours because it really is micromanaged. We have the Air Force boasting about control of the weather and not just the U.S. Air Force, other countries are involved in the same projects, of course. And the universal world spraying of the skies with the geoengineering going on since 1998, pretty well full-time. They did experimental stuff long before that, but 1998 is when they really started making a, a very a pretty well daily occurrence, especially up here in Ontario. And we have micromanagement of our lives as well. People don't realize your life is pretty well micromanaged. And I was thinking about that today, watching them spray out the back here. It was a nice day otherwise, but the mess they created with these new types of wispy, mushy trails all over and all weird shapes and directions and so on, which is normal now, got me to really ponder it once again and, and think about how other people perceive this. And most don't even know what's happening. They wouldn't believe you, even if you have the evidence. But they will take evidence, verbal evidence, from an authority figure on the news. That's how they've been trained. If they come out and say it, they'll they'll believe it. Managing the public across the whole planet is quite an easy task today. All authorities out there know exactly what you're thinking about because you put your data up in a whole bunch of ways today, electronic ways daily and even if you don't go in for all that kind of stuff and you watch television and you're on satellite or whatever they got all that data or you're on cable they don't know what you're watching and what your habits are and so on and so on you're completely managed and you don't know it it's always really been that way without the technology and they had different methods of gathering information about people they even had spies and I've done talks on that before. The spies in the so-called democratic countries are scattered throughout uh, the streets and towns and villages and, and cities whose job it was to gather basically gossip about people. And they had card deck systems, fell card systems, written out and, and filled in by the 1950s, in fact, on most of the people across Europe and the West. And now it's all electronic, of course, and they've got far more data about, on, on all of us, actually. And they know the trends. But they're always putting in trends out there for you to follow. And they sit back and show the chatter on the net and Twitter and so on. They know exactly how it's working in real time and how to vamp things up or alter things to make it something more effective. It's, it's rather a perfect system. But see, in the old days, it was mainly through spies, basically spies. And they say that uh, London alone had over 5,000 spies in about the 1940s, 50s. Scattered through pubs and everything. Or something would actually go around the pubs. Not a bad job, really. And it's all paid by the taxpayer. And just gathering gossip and chat and so on. Other ones were ex-bureaucrats who took early retirement and were given, basically, supplements if they went in to certain areas and just gathered information in the community. They'd even start up little clubs, basically, of all kinds, 
and with meeting the people in the area through their clubs, they did all the chatter and gossip about people too and see what they're up to. It's not a... <laughs> things are vastly different from what people think the way things are at any time, in fact. Most people, as I've said before, go to their deaths never knowing the truth about anything. They never know they've been nudged along from birth to death. They never know that the reasons that they've had world wars, for instance, and subsequent wars were for vastly different reasons than what they were told. And most of them would never have gone to war in the first place if they realized that the agenda was, for instance, in World War II, and by those who helped bring it on, people who actually wrote about having another world war, and they wanted World War I and then World War II. H.G. Wells did talk about it. And they got what they wanted, and it still wasn't enough, but they had plans for basically destroying the whole culture of the Western countries. Completely. Now, if you destroy the culture, you destroy society. And that's what the end of marriage and having children and all the rest of it, and, and sex galore and abortions and, and uh, drugs and all the chaos that followed. So that's warfare. And these are methods of warfare. I've talked before about how Yuri Bezmenov went into good, very good talks on the, the, how you destroy culture and the, the intents of destroying culture, how it works, and what you're seeing in a lot of countries in Europe and elsewhere uh, with the onslaught, basically, of managed mass exodus from uh, various Middle Eastern countries and, elsewhere, and African countries. Uh, really, what you're seeing is basically an apathy of cultures that have had years of propaganda used against them to deculturalize them. They cannot stand up for themselves anymore. And they're pretty well dysfunctional, in a sense. They're now churning out books about the death of Europe and, and the strange death. There's nothing strange about it. It was all planned that way. And it's true, too. When a culture has lost everything, its reason for being, and even the myths that created it in the first place and kept them going, when, when it's all destroyed, they fall apart and their fear game for the next onslaught or whoever is going to take over. And those who take over will be used in the same way that the previous peoples were used. That's how incredibly well managed this whole system is. As I've said before, you must always stand back and see who benefits and who is always screaming about your culture. And you, you, you've got to use your own intellect and judgment. That's what it's for, by the way. And don't be scared to use your own intellect and judgment because you should at least know who is putting you under, who's exterminating you in a sense, why it's being done, and again, who benefits. And then there's stacks and stacks of books out now and reports from big think tanks about the future and the kind of society and this, this small society that would rule the world as the rest of the populations die off, what they call surplus populations and useless eaters, as Bertrand Russell called them too, for the brave new world that they want to bring in. And they're actually bringing it in simultaneously as, as somebody's dying off too. It's quite amazing to watch it all. And plus, the, the, you see them rewilding countries like Scotland and other parts of Europe and, and so on, and areas where there's still people existing 
and their sheep are getting killed off with wolves and things like that. Well, that's to be expected because you're getting a message loud and clear that they're already setting up the stage of a world where you and all your kind won't be in it anymore. That that's the message, isn't it? So, lots of, uh, is going on, of course, all the time. And, and even the management of our minds as we go through the feigned crisis, left, right, and center, that they keep giving us today. We don't get news. Before, we used to get bits of news. Sometimes you would get more extensive news of what was going on, but it was always slanted. Media has always been owned, and private ownership, and even governmental ownership, naturally, is going to slant things and use propaganda on the public. Partly, you can understand why they do it sometimes, sometimes, but not all the time. Because you do have people in society, what we call society, is very fragile. And you can get all kinds of wacky groups existing in society. And it's not difficult for those with the understanding who can really whip them up into a frenzy and use them by pressing the right buttons. The same thing that... Edward Bernays talked about, too, from his uncle, Freud, because they talked about the great unconscious, this, this seething mass that is Freud, is Freud, and even Carl Jung would talk about it, of the unconscious, where so much within a person happens below our completely conscious state of affairs or awareness. Lots of drives and impetuses, all working and pushing, etc., and under the what they call the the veneer of civilization, we can just keep things in check. Otherwise, you would have chaos. We see occasionally these glimpses of chaos today, with the massive demonstrations in the U.S., for instance, and across the rest of the world as well, ready ready to go into almost a Bolshevik revolution by those who are above it, not the ones who are participating, the ones above it who run it all and manage it all and create it all and literally spent years and years and years preparing the field for it, basically, through universities, etc. They know exactly what they're doing, but they know how to push the right buttons to create people who literally are going to blame everything, everything that's wrong in their own personal lives on whatever target is pointed out to them by their authority figures, the ones that they will follow, they're obedient to powerful authority figures, and they will attack whomever they're told to attack. Very dangerous state of affairs, and it shows you that civilization has nothing to do with progressing to some better state of mental affairs, because the same techniques have been used down through the ages by very clever people who understand how to use what they call the mob or the crowd and so on. Well documented in, in sociology and behaviorism and anthropology, etc. People are always being used for things which they, they, they can be riled up about. The simple technique, of course, is when you think you're going to be invaded by someone. That's a simple, natural technique that everybody understands. And so you do say, oh my goodness, we're going to get invaded, we better join up and have a war, etc. And you'll believe all the propaganda that's pumped your way. 
part of the news might be true that there's going to be a war, but they'll always slant as to why. You'll never get the full reasons as to why the war is coming about in the first place. What are the real things behind this war? And, but you'll go off and you'll, you'll, you'll do your thing and the whole bit. And you may even go to your grave many years later if you're not killed in the war. And you'll believe it was all for this, that or the other. And you'll never be told it. Uh, the truth will come out maybe 50, 60, 70, or even 100 years after you're dead. They tend to disclose things on, and do away with the, the official secret stamp on it. And you get to find out why things happen. But not always. Sometimes we label them for another 100 years or whatever it happens to be. They deem it at the very top. It's not good for everyone to know the real truth about anything. And... That's really the most perfect form of control, isn't it? That generations can go through their lifetime never knowing the real reasons for anything. Never knowing that one club in Britain, in London, really came up, at least we're told, and anyway, came up with the idea from their own records, they, they boast about it, of a global society run on their system, a system that they ran already in Britain, for instance, and how they would bring it about by all these different means possible, including wars, if need be. And they even had it right about who they were going to have the wars with in the late 1800s. They knew they were going to have it with Germany. There no argument about that. They were going to stop Germany in its tracks because Germany at that time really was outdoing Britain, for instance, in production. Britain was, was, was well known for its mass production, and Germany was was larger, bigger population, and they could really outdo it too. So they're going to stop Germany in its tracks. And it's quite interesting how things work. As I say, and I've said that years and years ago on the, on the air, I said that it's if you're going to fight for anything, it's best to make sure that you know what it's all about, <laughs> and don't be used by anybody. And also, as I say the chances are you are going to be used by somebody. I never join crowds. I don't care what they're protesting or they're for or against. I've found through experience that, that you often have the same puppeteers running both sides of things. That's how they keep conflict going, and that's how they get the desired change. If you manipulate the, the outcome of the conflict between at least two parties, then you you, you actually plan and create the future you want to bring in to being. You can't change anything without conflict, and that's the whole idea of the thesis and antithesis and synthesis. Uh, that's what that's all about. Under communism, for instance, and don't think that communism, anything to do with communism, is, is just for communists. Every side uses everything that works, regardless of who they are. They'll, they'll use the same techniques. Under the Hegelian dialectic, if you want to plan change, you've got to look at the parts of society or culture, whatever it happens to be, the system that you want to change. And you've got to have a side and then create an opposing side to it. Have the conflict, the debates, arguments, strikes. It doesn't make any difference what techniques you use as long as you have the conflicts of some kind. And then you direct the change, the, the synthesis which is what you wanted in the first place. And then under the old Marxian game too, you could you, you take that, and Trotsky was in for all this kind of thing, you take that synthesis and that becomes the brand new thesis 
and they've got to create another antithesis just to get a next, the next thesis, and that's what they call progress. If you ever wonder what they mean by progress, and the progressive left or the progressive this, that's what they're talking about. That's a technique to use to get to it. So all the major conflicts you see of all kinds are simply techniques used by those in power at the very top, not the people you vote for, and they can get society as to where they want it to be down the road by managing into the future. Again, they talked about this on both sides a long time ago. The communists talked about it, and Marxists talked about it. The whole idea of evolution, when they merged, and don't forget the Marx praised Darwin, for coming up with this idea, I said, we need this, we need this so badly this, the, for, for the communistic society that was coming into being. He said, we need this so badly, he says, this idea of science. Science will justify it, because they wanted to make the whole idea of Marxism into what they called a science, an evolutionary science. So a progressive science of managing society as it evolves into higher societies. That's the idea behind it. And so he praised Darwin for coming up with evolution. And it's a whole different story too as to where all that went, of course. But what I'm getting at is they thought they could speed up evolution. It's a natural evolution. And there's been debates in the past before about, say, world government. Would it come around naturally, they they would say, and if that's the case, if they all agree that, that it would come about naturally, which it doesn't have to be, by the way, then why not speed up the system and make, make it happen, force it to happen? Through wars, displacement, again, by any means possible, make it all happen. And once you have a multicultural society across the planet, then, and, and lots of folk are for this, and even they're misled about it too, even those helping manage it, but if you had a completely multicultural society across the world, then, you, then eventually the whole idea of nationhood and culture and history would all fade away. And that's why there's also an onslaught against history at the present time, against Western countries again. It's not by chance. Nothing's happening on its own like some, some inevitable roller coaster or, or, or loosened stone that comes along and, and then gathers more and more moss and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But uh, but that's basically what's, what's the whole idea behind what's happening today, too. And a lot of lies are told, to eat, as I say, even some of the managerial side, to make them believe in it, too, or they'll keep them believing in it, because the multicultural thing, unfortunately, tends to have people living in their own areas with their own peoples, and they'll tell you a lot of the ones who have come in to the Western countries over the last two 70 years or so, they, they prefer their own. They, they have different cultures. There's no reason not to prefer their own, is there? There's no natural thing that says you must, you must prefer everybody else's culture, etc. It doesn't work that way. And some cultures, they look at the, the, the white Europeans and think they're really ugly. It's, it's quite, quite amazing. If you, if you see it only from one perspective, you realize they all see that from their own perspectives, and that's the way it is. But I think, too, that those at the very, very top understand this perfectly well, too, that it won't be just some sort of happy camp. It's really for a form of continuous control down through society into a future where there'll be conflict and skirmishes and, and anger and so on, 
in a global society, and it will be global, and they'll manage it with a global police force and a global army, a fast response across the planet. To they actually wrote about this, well, maybe 15, 20 years ago, where they had these massive special planes that were as fast as a Concorde, but as big as jumbo jets, and they could literally deploy troops across the world at a moment's notice where there'd be riots across in, in certain countries in a global society. Under Marxism too, they talked about the centralization of power. And don't forget that Marx at the time wrote this in London. He, he had got financing coming in from, in from London. And don't forget at the same time you had this group in London that also was planning a world government too, with the same ideas of centralization of power. That's not a coincidence. An idea being, once you have, a, you have a trading blocks, uh, like in United Europe and in Americas, and Marx talked about these, these trading blocks under a super world government, then they can imagine how easy it would be to control all of society, including depopulation. Because if you're all on the same foodstuffs, etc., and cancer will go sky high, as it already has in the Western countries, with all the pesticides and the GMO and everything else, then if you had that across the entire world, and you manage across the whole world, till no one could object to it if you ran the whole planet, they'd all have to eat the same stuff, etc. And... You could really depopulate evenly across the world at the same rate. Why do you think, and I've read the articles again from the big think tanks, including the military think tanks from Britain, the ones for NATO and so on, when they talk about 2050, there'll be a drastic decrease in population across the world. They don't say why. But of course, they, have to, they must have information and data to bring them to that conclusion. It's just that they're not going to tell you in their public reports. So, as I say, they'll have a world that they can thin out, depopulate, as, of course, those multi-trillionaires, they're going to increase, by the way. If you notice, everything's got going into, rather than more and more hands, the power itself is going to less and less hands. Everything today is some big supposed front person, this big CEO of whatever it is, computer systems or whatever. It's all the same thing, who suddenly becomes a philanthropist and ends up running the world. You're going to see more and more of this as this, this power is consolidated across the planet. And it's not my guessing. It's just that I've read enough of their own meetings and so on and books, etc. to come to these conclusions. Meanwhile, of course, most folk will never know. Just like generations in the past never knew, as I said, what was really, really happening, or, the re- or, or given the real reasons why things were happening. They're never told the truths. And as long as money is in, entrusted to private hands to manage for the planet, or nations for that matter, <laughs> then we'll never be in any better shape either financially. It's not intended that you, or, or that society, or even a world society, lives a full, productive, happy life. It's not intended. In fact, those who run the world, and pretty well own it, and who do manage the world's financial systems, and are, and are quite open about it, too, and blatant about it, that is built in 
to inflation. Every year, everything goes up in price. And, for instance, in Britain, a, a house in the country, a nice, a nice house in the country, back in, say, 1950, you could get for £3,500. And there's some apartments, or even flats, as they call them, in, in London uh, that would even pay the rent for a month with that today. And they would think that's normal. That's because it's all based on debt. And so they print more money up all, every year, and you need more money, more numbers, put it that way, to get the same amount of stuff you had a few years ago. And it gets worse and worse all the time. It's a racket. But whoever lends the money out, even if lending nothing except the nod to print it, <laughs> they're the masters, obviously. They're the masters to the borrower. And that's an old, old saying. And it's, it's said by people who, who rule the money system themselves. Franklin talked about it quite a lot too. And many others. Nothing's changed. That's the way it is. But the future has been planned, as I say. And it, but that's the saddest thing. The saddest thing, as I say, that the generation after generation never knows that pretty well everything they do or even the little things they're allowed, they're allowed to like or even nudged into liking, certain types of music, certain types of something or other, or art or whatever it happens to be, are all authorized by those people. They never even know exist. They don't even know the nudgers exist. It's, it's really astonishing. And you know darn well after the, uh, and they're already using it with the uh, with the Texas flooding and the hurricane and so on. That oh they'll blame global warming for global warming's been blamed for everything for years and years and years, uh, even the, even bad winters. So it can't fail. And remember too, as I've said before, our lives are so short. They really are short, and that's why it's so easy to pull the tricks out the bag for the magic boys at the top to blame all, all this flooding, etc., or the hurricane and, and global warming. It's all your fault, man-made anthropogenic global warming. You're going to pay dearly for it, give up all your rights and pay all these taxes to Al Gore and, and all of his ilk who are going to reap the harvest of cash. And I guess they're going to, I don't know, who, maybe they're going to start, I don't know, killing cows on altars or something. Who knows, eh? With all this money they're going to get. But it's a con, as I say, to give up all your rights for management of the whole planet. That's very clever. Remember what the Club Rome said, that they came up with a plan. They were given the task of finding a way to unite the world under some scary scenario. Like war or something. Well, it's a war of the planet on man. That's the idea. And it's man. The reason it's warring against man is because man is the enemy. Man is the enemy. Depopulate man. How do you do that? Bring in austerity, bring in famine if need be. Uh-huh. Easy to do. Easy to do with today's you know, techniques of warfare. Don't forget, under the uh, bio warfare, and uh, every country's had that since even before World War Two. They, they they'll not only discussed all these techniques; they actually created means of making it happen. Very effective as well. And believe you me, the world is so different from the one that you're brainwashed to believe exists from all your daily TV watching or your movies and so on that you're, you're really at their mercy because you're completely naive. And most folk always are. Now to get back to these 
various planned and well-organized riots that you're seeing, and they'll try and step them up, I'm sure, too, and getting back to the, to the reasons why they can recruit so many people. Society has changed so drastically, radically, since, say, 1950 to the present time. Because there was a war on society of the West. Authorized, published, of how to destroy it all. Right down to, the again, the family unit had to be destroyed. And the promotion of a whole system, a complete system, which was designed not to be able to sustain itself, even with man, woman, and, and children. Most people, since about the 60s onwards, became dysfunctional very, rather quickly. The TV was the greatest weapon ever devised. And it was put to full use to help destroy society. Again, Besman, I've talked about the destruction of the culture and how well it had worked and by 1970. He said, beyond the wildest dreams of the KGB. And don't think that the KGB were, were somehow wafting the ideas across the, the sea. They had, they had a good chunk of the U.S. and the culture industry promoting all this stuff through whatever they wrote about and so on. And people say, monkey see, monkey do, and they copy what they see. And why do you think, for instance, as a little analogy, Look at the average checkout counter in a grocery store and you'll see all the candies, probably both sides of the checkout counter, as you're waiting to go into the main part. All at low level, and that's where the children will grab them. Because here's candy, children want it, children grab it. And you have a hard time getting that off the children. So most of the people who go to the parents, if there's a parent at all, goes through with them, will just pay for it rather than cause a fuss. And that's how the marketers have designed it with those display guys that, that work in all the stories. And it's the same thing when you tell youngsters from the age of about 14 onwards, say in the 1960s, just to have free sex. And it's promoted from the top, from BBC and all its television programs and Top of the Pops and everything else. And it was also naughty, naughty, tee hee hee, as they would interview people strung out on drugs that were so-called pop stars. And the youngsters all saw that and they grew up with it and they emulated what they saw because that's what's promoted. Before that, the previous generation had different idols, again given to them, by the culture industry. See, Hollywood gave John Wayne and characters like that, the mannish man, uh, to emulate, and he would be the idol type for young men to watch and say, my God, I want to be like that. And then they, they changed it all completely, as I say, with the drugs and the pop music and the, the sex drugs and rock and roll, and that was it. All planned to destroy everything. And it's true enough, and they, know, they knew this from all their, their studies they'd done long before, and other cultures, by the way, that you, you could quickly and easily destroy a culture if you promoted sexual activity, hypersexual activity, very, very young, 
even pubertalus, where they're pushing it once again, the same way again. If you can hypersexualize them, they'll never stay with a partner. See, the whole idea in partnership is to bond. It's an, a nature's method of making sure that you bond so that you look after the children. If, if they don't both stay together and a child is born, then the child and maybe the mother too is going to die if they don't have food, etc. So bonding is a natural thing. The big boys wrote many books about it, that they would separate, separate the bonding uh, from the sexual activity. And so you just have, just have the sexual activity as recreation. And then the state stepped in to handle the fallout, which of course was unwanted pregnancies and so on. And they brought the pill out at the same time, and it was just thrown around like candy by the doctors in Britain, for instance. And uh, it was all done by design, as I say. Quite amazing. And they're going far, far beyond that today in this day and age until they then have, see all males on one side and all females. Now, then you got to go to war with all that as well. I read a book on bio-warfare, in fact. Uh, it came out in the 1970s, late 70s. And they had a lot of projections into the future of different methods of warfare, including bio-warfare. They did touch on the creation of sterility in mammals and, and then eventually into humans as a possibility. But they also said that they could make sex so incredibly common, like this sex, wherever you turned, you'd be good sex of all kinds, that men would turn into all different avenues, and women too, just for a change. They'd be, they'd be so saturated with it all. They could tr- try all different things just for a change, but the change could also be guided by those who promote culture. Nothing happens by chance, is what I'm telling you. Nothing at all. And right down to, to, to the riots again, because look at the riots, where people can hardly, they can't even articulate why they're furious and angry. And that's a form, as I've mentioned before, even years ago I mentioned that on the air, when I was on the air. There's a form, of, that, that, that ads, for instance, in Canada, and probably other countries too, but in Canada, I guess it was a high school and someone, some guy comes along and he's furious about something. He kicks open the door into the bathroom and the washroom in, in the, there's a washroom in the school and he starts kicking all the different doors and kicking the walls and screaming and and all he could do is grunt and, and, and clench his teeth and, because he, he couldn't articulate. And that's the key to it. He could not articulate what the problem was. Just pure blind rage. If you have a society where all the norms have been kicked out from underneath you, and a society always has a culture, if the culture's been wrecked and destroyed, then the youth don't even see themselves having a partner or children. It never enters their consciousness. See, nature doesn't care about you and what you, how you feel. Nature gives you a lot of drives and so on to make sure that you procreate to have offspring. The rest of it, too, as I say, is the bonding and so on to make sure that offspring 
survives. We're in an artificial system now. And because the artificial system, purpose is lacking. And when purpose is lacking, you've still got this massive conflict, again, back into Freud or Bernays' deep unconscious motives and drives and all the rest of it, all bashing against this sea, this unconscious sea of writhing drives and and bits and bytes of information and so on, but all all driving, and, and there's no resolution anymore, there's no purpose. Then you've got a ready-made army to agitate, and all you have to do is point out why, not the truth, but point out to them, oh, there's your enemy, that's why you're so unhappy, and they'll go to it, and they'll destroy that enemy or destroy themselves or society in the process. There's an awful lot of that going on right now. It's, it's all scientifically managed by behaviorists and neuroscientists, etc. And out of major conflicts, which they'll, they'll cause, they'll come out with solutions, which will be how to manage us all even more micromanaged and, and even safeguards to make sure, just like in Brave New World, you have Soma or something, or your little chip, to make sure that endorphins are released remotely into your brain by a little chip that's triggered. To, to stop you getting upset, you understand. And it will be all mandated as necessary because society seems to be going crazy. And a lot of folk will agree with it because, as I say, their purpose for a lot of people today is disappearing. And for those newcomers coming into the, to, say, the Western countries, you give them 30 years and they'll be in the same mess. Guarantee you. As they suck on the tea of television and get brainwashed and so on. It's already working with a lot of them. They have a lot of problems with their offspring. So many ways to manage the world, isn't it? But those, those who manage it, as I say, don't even live in the countries often. They, got, they, they own islands, some of them. <laughs> they own their own islands in rather exotic places. But they never drive amongst the crowded cities and, and the people who, who live in them. So they don't, they don't mix with them. They compl- they're in different lives. So like Bertrand Russell said, they're different species now. That's how they see themselves. Or the Lucky Gene Club, for instance, the Bill Gates and, and Oprah and the rest of them that have their little meetings of how they should rule, help rule the world as their organization, CFR, says that they should. You know, it's time the philanthropists came forward and took the rightful place in rulership, they said, a few years back. And I read their article on the air, too. Anyway, what I'm getting at is most folk never, most folk, you know, around you, never know any of this. They never know why things are really happening. Most of them don't want to know. If, if they live in, a, in a, a, what they think is a rather safe system, so safe that they've never had to worry about anything to an extent, then it terrifies them to think that that safe cocoon system could be possibly taken away from them. It terrifies them. So they don't, they don't want to know. And they'll tell you, and it's not their fault, but they'll tell you that, that even if you show me the evidence, I've heard this directly, even if you show me the evidence, 
I, I will choose not to believe it because it's too terrifying. And if you burst someone's bubble, they'll turn on you. That's what they say, ignorance is bliss. The best thing you can do is to hang on to the, the few friends, and there probably are a few friends, and that's just about it that you have. Through thick and thin, if, if you can, unless they're really, really nasty and you can't manage them. But you will, and we do need people, because no one truly is an island. We, we can live apart from people and so on, but no one's a complete island, because once in a while you'll need help. You will, for different reasons. And it's good to have even two or three people you can count on. If you, That's what Plato said. If you've influenced five people or have five people you can say are your friends in your entire life, then you've done awfully well. Awfully well. As I say, uh, that's one thing you can hang on to if you can because society is going into a really crazy phase right now. Only crazy because managed and promoted craziness to create all kinds of bizarre scenarios in order to come out with a new system, including austerity, oil, global warming, chaos, blah, blah, riots, unemployment, you name it. And then they're bringing all different conflicts with multicultures and more ethnic groups and so on coming in as well. And they come out with a new system and a new, a whole new way of, of they'll, they'll tell you that it's going to be post-democratic. Remember the Club of Rome that came up with the idea of blaming the man for causing all the problems in the world and the weather and so on. And they said that would fit the bill. There's a whole bunch of scenarios, but that's the one they chose. That, that would fit the bill. That would, that would do. That's the one they settled on. And when they settle on something, they make it, they'll, they'll get the mantras going and they'll never, ever change it, the mantras. Never. They always get what they want. So you should have someone, or maybe a couple of people, people you can really talk to in an honest fashion, to keep your own sanity if you can. Because things are not going to get any better. Big, big changes. And the Club of Rome also, in all of its publications, pretty well sometimes hints in some states straight out that democracy is too cumbersome a system to get things done efficiently in a panic or crisis situation. So democracy was created simply as a, a front row, keep, keep the people quiet, thinking they had rights and all that, for a while, while you create this world system, and then once you've got it done, and you bring in all the chaos, then you, you say, well, we can't manage anymore, we need a new system, and it's all, they'll blow off the dust off the, the scrolls and present it to the world. That's how world, the world really is run. <laughs> it's quite amazing to me to, to watch. It gets boring too. And as I say, you know, remember your life, your own life is short. It is short, honestly. And if you can hit, if you, if you can get to 40, you'll find the next 20 years will just fly in. Especially if you have some kind of mission in life, you'll find that it really will fly in like crazy. And you'll have to look back and, and even if you, you think you haven't changed anything, what you have to do is try and, and, and occasionally stop yourself and ask yourself, what have I learned from myself? What have I experienced from myself? There's much, much bigger things than all of this and all this data, data, data put out from a thousand different sources and even in different sides that you think may even be yours that are all corn as well. 
that's how, how amazingly things are managed in this day and age. It really is. And as I said years and years ago, you're in more than just a very clever, it is very clever, very clever, and you can get all the organizations that are behind a lot of this and their own publications, and there's nothing to guess at, but you're also in a, into a, basically a, a spiritual battle. Very much so. Very, very much so. And when you meet some of those at the top, or even read their works, in fact, of how they're... Uh, for instance, Prince Philip. Many of those organizations that, that are into environmentalism, are, that's where they have at the top all these things. And he's been quite blatant about the culling that must come. You must cull off. When you have too many deer in an area, you've got to have a culling of them. And the same thing applies to people. They're quite blatant about all of this. And Prince Philip, I'm sure, doesn't identify and has never identified with the folk he helps rule over. As the Duke of Edinburgh, husband to the Queen. They don't relate to the people. You can go into so much of the reserved land for under the UN, reserved as biospheres and nature preserves, and it's often the best farming land across Africa. That's not a coincidence. And who's at the head of it all? The WWF and so on? Guess who? And not just one person, but a whole stack of them. Now, I'm just going to run through a few articles tonight. And the reason I'm talking about keeping your friends and so on, because mine are dropping off like crazy right now. People I know, people I know off, and, and so on. But people are just really just, just dying. And different ages, too. You know, all ages. And this, that's becoming more and more common as younger and younger folk, too, are dying off. But, as I say, you, got to look, you can imagine having world meetings about killing more of us off. As though we're just farm animals. In a sense, to them, we are, you know. But it will dawn on, on people, I hope. And I think it will, regardless whether they like it or not, some of them who don't want to even go into a realm uh, that they've been taught to hate in the first place, which is very clever, again, if you have an enemy. (laughs) But if you understand what what spiritual realms mean, you are human. And And as human beings, you can express so much, so much you can express and verbalize and communicate. And... You really do have abilities that many animals don't have. They express themselves in a lot of other beautiful ways. Fantastic. But when you, can, when you meet people who quite coldly and calmly at meetings discuss the, the need to kill off more people faster. And when you realize that there's a lot of them in the audience the same their own ilk, their own creed, their own, their own group. Or as I say, Bertrand Russell said that, they, you know, they are a separate breed, in other words, that's how they see themselves. Then 
you're dealing with something that you can't really, just like psychopaths, for instance, you can't really say in some sense that they're really, they're not fully human. They might look human, they might test in their DNA for you, for a human, but the fact is there's something vastly different. You could probably dissect their brains forever and never, and you won't find anything physically different in them. But what comes out of those minds, you'd have to say, is not human. It's the same with those who plan massive wars. How can you possibly say they're human? We're way in advance, way in advance. They talked about taking out Afghanistan in Iraq, and then Libya and Syria and Iran and so on. And they're still going at it after all these years. It hasn't stopped. But way in advance, before 9-11 happened, they published the, the, the Wesley Clark talked about it too. A list of countries. But they need a Pearl Harbor event to make it happen, according to the PNAC group. And they, these, these guys should really, they must play the lot all the time because they always seem to be spot on. They just win what they want. And they get what they want. And they take out those countries. And then you have the articles that came out after some of the wars had, had happened in Iraq and so on. And Tony Blair and others had discussions with the big oil companies and gas companies and so on before they went into these countries to see who, who could divvy up the, all the winnings, all the, all the, uh, the, the loot from the war, the profiteers. They get all the booty. And you have to say with these people, you're dealing, you can, you can, you can say that you're dealing with very, with, with psychopaths who are able to form massive clubs and work together awfully, awfully well. Or else you've got to say, well, what are these creatures really? In a spiritual sense. It's one and the same thing, isn't it really? But that's what's running the world. And these are the ones who work high up in academia and are all for this world agenda, depopulation, even if it takes austerity into starvation and so on. They'll do it all. Remember a Greenpeace Party member in Britain a few years ago, and I read that article out of the mail or somewhere, where she said it's a pity we couldn't get a war scenario going, kind of like like World War Two, where the people in Britain did everything they were told to save themselves and they sacrificed right down to this verge of starvation pretty well and 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 etc into real austerity. It's a pity we couldn't get that and to do that in, in the same kind of form again. What, do people vote for these characters? What's wrong with them if they do? Hmm? Think about it. Think about it. And what you might scoff at right now, you won't in a few years' time. You do get wiser as you get older. Just to tie in some of this tonight, some articles. As I say, I'll put an article or two up on on. Houston and the flooding and all the rest of it what's been happening there and they'll play this on up big time even though it's not the first as I say but you live short lives and you don't realise that this happens maybe a couple of times a century and things like that and then you've got an article that came out 
about a week ago or so, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to release water from two Houston-area dams. I remember them saying that, and it would cause more and more flooding. <laughs> and so you have to wonder, why don't they... Do, if when they build these dams, surely they have pipelines in to divert the water away in some other far direction than the floodplain. Huh? But they're really adding to the problem. And sure enough, once they released it, apparently the water went up about 20 feet. Two dams. And I've talked over the years and given you many different articles on how, the, how your own governments test us, because we're cattle to them. To, to understand, those who work in governments are psychopaths, basically. They, they work at, they're, they're basically classed as psychopaths. They're very pleasant a lot. They're meeting the bureaucrats. But those at the very top know darn well that they're working for much higher powers than, than, than the general public. They have bosses way above them, the financial bosses, and so the, the real rich people of the planet. Anyway, millions were in germ war tests. Again, as I said before, this is from 15 years ago, but they, 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 they start to admit stuff that it would never tell you at the time. And the Ministry of Defense turned large parts of the country into a giant laboratory to conduct a series of secret germ warfare tests on the public. Why are you worried about an enemy? A government report just released provides for the first time a comprehensive official history of Britain's biological weapons trials between 1940 and 1979. It's a pity they didn't do the ones after that. But again, they'll release that stuff in another 50 years probably <laughs> and let you know what else they've been killing you off with in the meantime. But this is official stuff declassified from the government itself. No one cares now because most of the folk around then are dying off, you see. So that's, that's why they tell you years later when they're all dying off. This article is pretty good. I've got documentaries of some of these, actual video documentaries on some of these particular so-called tests upon the public. But they, they spread all kinds of things, biochemicals, biowarfare chemicals bacterium, and carcinogens, zinc, cadmium, sulfide on the population. And there's some people now trying to demand compensation from the government because their children became deformed and so on. Uh, this is not by accident. They, knew, they know what this stuff does to the public. And, that, and to say that they did it to test what would happen if the Russians were to do it, well, why would you be doing something that your supposed enemy would be doing to you? Why would you do it instead? It, it makes no sense at all, does it? But in reality, the Cold War, a good part of it was a farce to begin with. Also, dicamba complaints slowly filtering in. It's a pesticide that's spreading across wherever it's been put on fields. Now it's really spreading outwards from there and harming plants along the way, and also crops that kill pests by shutting off their genes. Real, real bio-warfare now, because they're, 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 they're literally using stuff that is a process called RNA interference to block protein translation and gene expression and so on. And you eat the stuff, and believe you me, you will eat. It's going to get a lot worse than what you've got already with different things happening to the public and children and so on with this, this particular uh, form being used today. I guarantee you, I guarantee you. I might do more of this stuff next week, in fact. But uh, it just makes you so darn sick of 
the system we truly live in. As I say, ignorance is bliss, and they want to keep everybody utterly ignorant as they do all this kind of stuff upon the public. It's really astonishing. It's not just to kill off pests, for goodness sake. But that's what they give you for reality, isn't it? And most folk accept it as reality. Quite some. And you wonder why. I mean, it's true. I understand why people just want to hide their head in the sand. And they'll say, I don't want to know this. I don't want to hear this. This is too depressing. But that's what life really is today. We're not living in a normal existence. We're living in a very controlled society. Well managed. And no, it's not meant to have your best interests at heart. It really doesn't. And it's rather sad, isn't it? To what the world could have been supposed to if I were these characters at the top make it. And academia, unfortunately, has taken what they call its rightful place. And all of this, and science uh, and researchers, are now boasting that they have the right to basically remake the world and society and humans as well. And everything else that will live on this planet in the future. So uh, forgive me for for appearing a little bit uh, morose perhaps today. But uh, it's just uh, it's just really the, the fact that I get so sick of the system in which we live, and uh, and as I see even even all the different organisations out there that you think are there to speak for you, you'll get a big shock if you maybe find out who they really are. And for me, my word goes even further because there's big big. <laughs> Big uh, shows out there that will grab my stuff all the time and repeat it. So I feel like an unpaid employee, in a sense. And I'll never mention your name. But that's the way life is, isn't it? No one said it would be fair. Ain't that the truth? Anyway, for those out there who are still struggling to get along, and I really am into everybody's lives out there. I really, really am. Across the whole world, there's people who are really decent, decent, honest people who get in touch with you, and they talk from the heart, and that means an awful lot. And uh, and yeah, you, you definitely share the trials and tribulations uh, that we all have, of course, and that, that's what life is also about. That's what it really, really is about, isn't it? From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your God school with you. <laughs>